Welcome to Camp Radio Life, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio Life, discussing the lighter side of important issues and trends that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. Thanks for tuning in to Camp Radio a lot. My name is Brad Anderson. The purpose of this podcast is to talk about today's issues, but on a light note. Things may take crazy turns during our conversation, but we just ask that you go with us on this crazy journey. A wise man in this group once said, we may follow some rabbit tails, or follow some rabbits, or, you know, that rabbit metaphor. One way or another, we just hope that you enjoy our podcast today. Uh, today with us, uh, we have Matt Crabtree, Tyler Baker, and Jake Honeycutt. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, man. I think the most important thing uh, they need to know is that I love rabbit metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but for real. Uh, so I've been in student ministry now for about five years, uh, the past almost two and a half or so as a student pastor at Wallace Memorial Baptist Church in Knoxville. Uh, it's been an amazing journey, learning a ton. I uh, still don't feel like I know a lot, but I guess that just comes with time. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Sarah Beth, for almost three years now. Uh, again, another process of still learning a ton, um, her having to learn me. Uh, I guess I'm a complex person at times. But anyway, so uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love biscuits and gravy. Amen. Nice. Uh, nice. Yes. And again, rabbit metaphors. Those yeah. Are three yeah. big, pretty, awesome. three big things. All right, Tyler. Yeah. So I'm Tyler. I've been in student ministry for going on five to six years. I can't really remember. It kind of runs together. Hashtag Rona probs. Um, but I've been recently married. I got married in October to my wife, Audrey. Awesome. Shout out to Bay. I love you. If you're listening, you're hot. But um, anyway, student ministry is incredible. I love it. I've been at Second Baptist Church for going on eight months now as a student pastor there. I actually worked with Matt at Wallace as his apprentice for a little under a year and learned a lot under him and the leadership there. But yeah, student ministry is incredible. I love it. Um, I'm thankful to do what I do. And also I'm a huge Kentucky Wildcats fan. I live in Tennessee and I'm bleed blue. Yeah, so we, we can edit that part out. Yeah, let's not because <laughs> it, it's hard when you're winning. Yeah. So, oh, oh, oh. It, yeah. Except awesome. in football. Yeah. <laughs> hey, championships. How many banners? That on oh. women's basketball. Oh, ouch. Ouch. All right. All right. Jake, man, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I am uh, Jake. Uh, I've been in, in and around student ministry for about eight or nine years. Uh, currently student pastor at Buffett Heights Baptist Church in East Knoxville. Uh, coming up on three years there. Married for coming up on seven years. Nice. Uh, to my wife, Lauren. We've got two little boys one's gonna be four and one just turned two well we're very grateful that you guys are with us today um today's topic is uh, things you shouldn't do in youth ministry uh, i know this is a a touchy topic and uh this is something we kind of <laughs> yeah see this is what i'm talking about a uh, touchy topic that uh we need to uh you know maybe talk about and hopefully today we can uh you know, shed some light on some things that you shouldn't do and in, uh, in youth ministry. Let's just let's go at it. Uh, anybody want to start off with something maybe that uh, that you shouldn't do in youth ministry? Lock-ins. Lock-ins. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So mm. it's uh, and I, and I'm not hating on the the lock-in world. I know there's still a lot of student ministries that do lock-ins. So if you still do them, I'm not saying you're an awful student pastor. Uh, you're just a lot braver than I am. Yeah. Uh, have more energy than me, I guess. Uh, just to me, it, it 
uh, at least in our experience, we would have lock-ins and it would get a ton of kids. So, I mean, that's a positive of it, but a lot of it would just be kids from other churches and we're not trying to steal kids from those churches if they're already plugged in. Um, so we're just, you get to that three o'clock in the morning and the kids are already starting to fall asleep and you're starting to fall asleep, but they can sleep, but you can't. Uh, cause obviously you have to look out for them, make sure they don't do anything dumb. Uh, but it's just, you hit that wall around three o'clock and it's like, why are we doing this? And so we slowly, uh, moved away from that. We just hired, a an associate student pastor who's, uh, who's newer to the game. And so he might actually be more willing to do that. And so we might venture back into the world of lock-ins, but, uh, we'll have to wait and see about that. John three not nineteen says uh, that sinners love darkness, so lock ins are of the devil. <laughs> oh, wow, that is perfect. Thank you, Jake. Oh, that is hilarious. I actually um, have done lock ins over the last couple of years, uh, but they are the bane of my existence. Uh, I do them mostly because my students peer pressure me into it. But every single time uh, in the middle of the night, I'm like, we're never doing this again. I don't think it's very fruitful. It's mm-hmm. like the kids just go nuts. They want to do stuff that's stupid, and it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'll tell you the best thing we ever did with a lock-in, the best one I ever had, we did a lock-in at a gymnastics gym. Mm, nice. And with all middle school. Oh, so cool. clearly, middle schoolers have way more energy than most humans on the planet, or I would say species on the planet. And mm. we had three trampolines, a foam pit, and at 3 a.m., there was literally kids doing front flips because they had a 12-pack of Mountain Dew and they just <laughs> chugged it. But, I mean, we saw some fruit from it, but at the same time, it's just one of those things that if you don't have the manpower to help yeah. you mm. or if you don't have a case of Red Bull, you're just in for a terrible, terrible time. I would say it's probably really difficult to get volunteers mm-hmm. when you when you say to, to help do that I yeah, mean because volunteers are already hard enough to find on like a Wednesday night at 6 p.m much less like yeah come Friday night come spend your Friday night until seven in the morning yeah and I just remember the last one we had we were at jump jam so we even it was more like lockouts because we learned that if you can get out it makes the night go a little bit faster I just remember being at jump jam literally just laying on a trampoline and kids just jumping around me like making fun of me because I was so tired. And so at that point, as I was laying there on a trampoline, I was like, we will never do this again. <laughs> I actually I had several parents be my chaperones for the last lock-in we did. And really? they were champs. I mean, they, they made it till like 2 or 3 a.m. And then they crashed out on some, some chairs in our worship center. Now, do you do your lock-ins on Fridays or Saturdays and go to church on Sunday? If we did that, our whole row would be asleep. Like our students sit together up front during the service, and it's it, you might as well just give them a pillow and a blanket. Yeah. So it would be awful. Friday to Saturday, usually. Yeah. yeah, we would. We did ours when I was in Kentucky on Saturday for Sunday morning Ooh. church, and I'll never in my life forget this. We're sitting uh. in church Sunday morning, nine o'clock, as when our traditional, or I'm sorry, our contemporary service was at nine. Traditional was at eleven, so it was flipped. And I was sitting in the front row with about five or six other students, and I looked to my right, and obviously the typical students falling asleep during the sermon. I hear a loud thud, and I look over, and homeboy had fallen out of the (laughs) pew into the floor, like mid-service, dude. I mean, it was incredible. But, dude, we found kids asleep during Sunday school that we didn't know were even at our lock-in, so that was kind of bad. I tell you, man, I I just think that lock-ins – especially middle school lock-ins, you have to be a special kind of person. And then not only that, but you have to have a special kind of volunteer 
because that three o'clock in the morning, I, I always tell everybody when I used to do lock-ins, it was easy up until about two, three o'clock. And then you start getting tired and it's like, okay, what are we going to do now? Because we've kind of done all the stuff that we're going to do. And so it, it, to me, it just kind of, I always hated lock-ins. Now, let me ask you this. What would y'all do for food? Like pizza. Pizza. Yeah, pizza, pizza for sure. Hot and yeah. ready. And then a lot of times we'd ask them to bring a snack. So you literally just had a, a, a table just lined up with snacks and they would just go at it all night. And so you'd have Dorito bags all throughout the church because uh, we'd be playing like sardines or something. And so they'd take a bag of Doritos, go hide somewhere playing sardines. And like <laughs> like three weeks later, you'd find this bag of Doritos <laughs> behind like a stack of chairs out of nowhere because that was their go-to hiding place. But nah, just... uh. Pizza and snack food, and like I said, Mount, like I said, Mountain Dew and Man, lots of caffeine, cookies, lots of sugar too. Because about three a.m. when they're all trying to fall asleep, asleep, you keep them awake, you just feed them sugar. See, we we did tacos one time. That Ooh. was a Ooh. that was a mistake. I would never did recommend. You have enough toilet paper? <laughs> no, oh. I tell you, I think the the kids handled it a little bit better than than the adults. But I tell you. I, uh, all the volunteers about 7 a.m. were volunteering to go and run and go get donuts or whatever because they were just wanting to get out and get some coffee or, or whatever. So uh, lock-ins are the bane of all existence. I've got another topic. All right, go for it, man. Um, don't be lazy on the medical form. Don't take kids without a medical form. Yeah. Mm. We took, uh, it's been long enough, I feel safe, um, and I'm not going to name names, but we took, we did a, a summer, no, it was a spring break trip to Laguna, and uh, this kid OD'd in the middle of the night on like the next to last day before we left. Oh, like wow. he had some some kind of allergy medicine or something, I don't even know what it was, but he took the whole bottle. This like, was a visitor kid. Oh like no. no and luckily we did all the things we were supposed to do with medical forms. So we had that. We could take him to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be uh insensitive, but we basically dropped him off, gave him the medical forms and his parents were there like yeah. in no time because they jetted down there from, from Knoxville. But uh yeah, don't skip on that. Yeah, it's always one of those things where you're like kids show up and like you have to have a medical form I'm like okay and you give them one and then they come back magically three minutes later with it filled out with like a squiggly <laughs> signature at the bottom and yeah. you're like this is not your parent and every time it never fails there's always yeah. that one kid that tries to come in with the, the forged medical form and they're like we've been announcing this for three weeks oh, or how, how do you months. handle that like when they bring in the made up form how far away do your parents live like yeah like i mean they don't have to even get out of the car i mean and most time they're fine doing it. So, one of my favorites with medical form is when they say, "Hey, you can just call my dad," and you call their dad, uh, and they have fifteen million allergies. Oh yeah, and you have to sit there and try to spell everything out for yeah. them while you're writing it. It's it's like, oh yeah, they're super low key, uh, but also they're allergic to soy, wheat, gluten, dairy, multi dextrose, <laughs> red dye forty, fifty two, seventy one, blue dye forty. But other than that, they can eat anything. Yeah, and, and you're like. I mean, it's cool that they have allergies. Like, we'll definitely accommodate them. But, like, it would have been nice if you would have brought that form in. Yeah. That made me take, like, a three pages of notes. Plain grilled chicken. That's all they can eat. Just, yeah, plain. Yeah. So, what, what do y'all put on the, the like, the medical forms? Like, what, what kind of information do you have the kids fill out? Well, we actually kind of modeled ours after few Because we're like, obviously, if it's a camp, I mean, they probably had lots of lawyers and stuff look over their medical release. We pretty much, I wouldn't say copied their form, but with that but it also has a photo release on it too because we're like 
I know some of our kids, they bring their friends and we try to accommodate, especially situations of foster families and things like that. But if you can find one from a camp, obviously they've probably had some good people look over that to make mm-hmm. sure it'll cover, uh, cover their butts in case something happens. But that's pretty much what we use. But I mean, it has your basic information, has all their medical stuff, has to be notarized and all that. I used to do like a big long form like that with all the tiny writings and the check boxes and all that stuff. When I came to Buffett, I brought my form with me and I was like, hey, is this, is this good or whatever? And they were like, well, we've got our own that you can use if you want or you can use yours. And I looked over theirs and it was literally like a half sheet uh, for medical, a half sheet for photo release and a half sheet for transportation approval or whatever. And I looked over and I was like, I don't think I could add anything that would really help. So it's on the medical form. There's like three little boxes and one of them is like medications and health issues. One of them is like allergies. And then one of them is like any other comments you want to leave and they sign it, get it notarized. And it works because the parents can do it in like literally 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, for us, something that we've added to ours too, since we do a lot of out of state trips is, and this, I saw this from a bigger church over in West Tennessee was that you did the photo video, you do the normal medical, but they even had a section for a like surgery. So if it's like a kid breaks their arm and the parents are on the way, they Mm -hmm. sign off on us to make a decision for that. If the kid needs like an emergency, obviously with their approval, we'll call them. Never had that happen. Praise God. But It was actually something I'd never thought of, and a lawyer friend of mine said that's a good thing to have yeah. because if a kid breaks their leg and it's protruding out of their skin, yeah. you have to have immediate surgery or infection right. can start. Yeah. So it's like you don't even think about that stuff. Right. So we've added that, but besides that, it's basic medical allergy, food allergy, and then medication is huge. We bold all of ours, highlight it. You have to have it in a Ziploc bag, labeled, which mm-hmm. my wife's a nurse, so it helps. But right. I could just imagine Tyler on a trip, like being like, yep, amputate it. <laughs> right. I have the signature. Yeah, I, I can make that call. Oh, oh, you sprained your ankle? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, cut it's it off. That's it. it. Get rid of it. I went to a um, Southern Baptist Convention summit deal at uh, First Baptist Concord, and they had all these different speakers come in, and they had a, a breakout for student pastors and the guy talking to us was from, he was, he was an author. He wrote this book. It was called like, I can't remember what it was called, but literally it terrified me from doing ministry because it was like talking about how you can get sued, like all this different stuff. And uh, you guys have probably seen Better Safe Than Sued, that book. But uh, it was nuts, man. They were, I mean, going down through the book, it was like if you have a student who has a sibling at your group and the student leaves to go home and drives the student who's their sibling and you don't have like formal written consent and they get in a car crash, like the family can sue you. Oh, and I'm like, what in the world? They had this girl. One of the examples was they had this girl who was like a gymnast and she was evidently like about to get some scholarships and looking really promising for like a good college career and like maybe even professional gymnast, like all this stuff. And she fell down the stairs and broke her leg at the church and they sued the fan, the church for, all the scholarship money and all the potential earnings she would have gotten as a oh, professional gymnast, mm. and they won. Oh, mm. and like I mean, just so many different cases and stuff that they brought up, and I was just like, "How can we do ministry like this?" Yeah. You know, I feel like we do what we're supposed to do as far as like you have a basic medical transportation approvals, good, all that stuff, but like we have to trust the Lord and just mm-hmm. it can get ridiculous. So, do y'all have them? Um, 
like sign it every time? Like, cause I know some places they've, you know, like, Hey, once your family has signed it, they've got it notarized. Like that form is good enough for the year or whatever, you know, do or y'all make them have it notarized every time that they come or what, what do y'all do? Ours is just by year. That's right. once a year. Yeah, I was just by it's harder doing an event for or a form for every event because yeah. that's more paperwork to keep up with for all your leaders too. So we do yearly. Yeah, yeah we do a yearly, but also per event. There's like a registration form. This is like, hey, we approve that you can go on this trip yeah. as a parent, yeah. and yeah. then obviously Fuge has their own form, so they've got to do that one too. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. Like we do a ski trip every winter and anytime we do stuff like that, we have to fill out the extra release for the ski resort. But our our form is legally binding for, I don't know how that works either for like a year. I just voice cracked really hard right there. Y'all. <laughs> but like, I don't know how it even works being legally binding for a year. How do you handle, more of a question, how do you handle student relationships when they're dating each other. Ooh, that's a good so this one. is like a what not to do. This is a right. Essentially, this is, this is a, so it's like... Don't let them like, have yeah, relationships. Our I, I, I rule, it's always been, I learned this from my student pastor, he would always scream on the bus or van, no purple, PDA is not okay. Done it, do it, every time. Yeah. Wait, what? We say no purple all the time. No oh, that's oh, okay. That my really kids, confused my, me. My kids love it. My kids love it when we say no purple. They, uh, so the way I handle it is... I don't know. These things just happen as far as like relationships. Like I can't stop them from having boyfriend, girlfriend. Like right. I can't do that, but I will and do make it as awkward as I possibly can. If they start doing some PDA stuff in mm-hmm. our scope of ministry. And so I started saying no purple and a couple of our students who aren't in relationships are super uncomfortable with the ones that are. And so they, like go overboard with it like they they have made purple cards and they will like throw it at them when they're like sitting in our youth room like if they walk in holding hands they'll like throw the card at them it's like no purple it's really funny funny. i try to make it as awkward as i possibly can unashamedly how many times have you said leave room for jesus are you that guy Every day, <laughs> no, it's, the, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, so the Trinity. The you, leave the, you leave the whole triangle in there. Yeah. No, our big thing is especially bus rides. I've heard horror stories about yeah. bus rides, and so we definitely don't let guys and girls, couples or not, sit together on the yeah. bus. That's the biggest thing. And then it's almost like you plant little student spies. Like you find some good middle schoolers that like oh, yeah. that you love, and you're like, hey, Spy kids, yeah, hey, I just need you. Like if you see them off by themselves this week just let me know i won't i won't tell them you told me uh and you get a Let's pack of skittles at the end of every day <laughs> <laughs> paying them off we've had you know relationships that like when i first came i don't know nobody's they're not gonna listen to this but when i first came to Buffett, like there was a couple that were like thinking about getting together and then they started dating like very early on in my ministry and that went south and now neither one of them are involved at all really and so that is terrible how do y'all handle the breakups like because that's a there's more fish in the sea yeah <laughs> just cast out keep throwing well but how like how do you <laughs> how do you handle like when because surely to goodness the youth group gets kind of divided especially if it's two people who have been members at the church and then they get together and then they break up you know, how, how do you guys handle that? Like, cause I, I'm sure there've been some probably way you've tried to handle it and maybe it didn't go real well. 
Yeah, because I think the the easiest thing is when you have somebody that's come in. It's actually easy and hard. It's easy because they're probably going to leave and not right. come back. But it's hard because you've some. I mean, especially if they've been dating for a world world record two years for their yeah. age. Like, I mean, you've poured into their boyfriend or girlfriend, and and so when they leave, you're like, I mean, that's one of your students by that point. Especially right. if they've been coming consistently, so that makes it hard. But then it's easy because obviously they're not going to the same church anymore. But when they go to the same church and when they're both involved and active in your ministry, it's really just that I'm like, if y'all can get past this awkward like month, I feel like there's like a a little month buffer where they see each other, but they don't want to talk to each other. And then eventually, I feel like after about a month, they get over it because they're probably dating somebody else at that point. But at least that's what we've seen. Usually there's about a month of just awkwardness that they just have to push through. And that's just a, a life lesson, I guess. I always encourage students, especially the younger students that are that bounce from friend to friend, just trying to figure out what, I guess, what flavor they like of person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've always encouraged them like, hey, you guys started as friends. You you tried the dating thing and it didn't work. Stay friends because obviously you're going to go through the rest of middle school and high school together. Right. And, you know, I, I've seen some fruit from that, especially in middle school, doing middle school ministry. You know, hey, you're still in the friend group with your ex and they're still one of your friends just because you didn't work out as a couple doesn't mean you still can't be friends. Right. Obviously, middle schoolers are more acceptable to that than high schoolers because you've right. already got your clique and your circle. But middle schoolers are still just being friends with everybody and trying to figure out who they like. And so I've always encouraged that. So I got another topic. That'd be great. Probably a little bit more serious, but another thing not to do is to not silo your ministry mm-hmm. uh, from the rest of the church. It's very easy to yeah. say... And some churches make it even easier to say, well, those are the students, that's their area, they can do their thing, it's whatever. And uh, our, our the newer leadership, especially at Wallace, is very multi-generational and wants to get the generations together. And I think that's what the church should look like. Yeah. Um, and to not silo yourself. And again, it is so easy for that to happen, for you to be in your student ministry world, for you to not really pay attention to really what's going on in the church and just say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on students, especially student pastors. I mean, a lot of the common struggle is that they feel like their voice isn't heard because they're typically the younger guys on the staff and they right. haven't been doing this so long. And it's like, well, fine, the church can do their thing, but I'm just going to do student ministry well. And I mean, you do want to do it well, but at the same time, you also want to integrate them in the church, whether it be multi-gen mission projects or uh, worship services and everything else. And so... That's one big thing that I've learned along the way is it's very easy to fall into that trap and you kind of have to fight against it constantly. I try to do two things, uh, one for myself and one for our students. Uh, For myself, I try to be present and engaged with the entire congregation, uh, which our staff has helped me do that um, inadvertently, really. I open up our service, do kind of like a call to worship on Sunday mornings, and then I do the announcements at the end. So they know me like the church as a whole knows me and I try to be involved when there's, you know, like a senior luncheon at the church and things like that. I try to, you know, be there, love on people, all that kind of stuff. But with our students, we've done like on our Sunday night student gathering type thing, we've gone through seasons where we've actually taken the text from the Sunday morning service and talked about it and just wrestled with what what our pastor spoke about that morning, um, how can we apply that to our lives? Just trying to continually engage them into the life of the church. Um, one of the things that I've wanted to do but haven't really implemented it is to have like a partnership with like senior adults, so like prayer partners or something like that. And, like we've done some service projects before where we go and love on some of our shut-ins and stuff like that. But um, anything, any kind of 
baby step we can make to help the students understand that we're not that separated. We're not a separate entity, but we are a part of the body of Christ is so important, I feel like, because that's part of the reasons why you guys have probably seen it. I know I've seen it when students graduate, they leave and we never see them come back and they, or they go try to find a church that's made up of only college students and, uh, and they don't stay plugged into the local body. And I think that's so important. If we build that, that mentality, that culture of, Hey, this is a whole unit rather than these are, like you said, silos, then that'll help the longevity too of them staying plugged in. Hmm. Yeah, one thing that's worked for me, especially being the new guy, full my first full time role is anytime I can get any we, we call our Sunday morning stuff life groups. So anytime I can get an older generation life group to come serve breakfast for our students after an event is huge because they love serving the church and serving and seeing students in the church. But beyond that is that the students get to interact with them even if they're just giving them biscuits and gravy. And it's kinda it kinda creates that, hey, I know your face. And that conversation is easier for students to have on a Sunday morning as opposed to some random old old person approaching a teenager and having no clue what to talk about. They have a basic conversation about, hey, how was your event this weekend? And it kind of gives that leeway. But then, too, we encourage our students to sit down front. And when they sit down front, it kind of says, hey, we're, we're ready to lean in with you on Sunday morning and not sit in the balcony on our phones. But we're down front. Where everybody can see us, not because we're trying to say, here we are, but we're trying to say, hey, we want to engage with you. It's not just that we're teenagers running around the room. We're down front to pay attention and to lean in and to grow alongside of the congregation. And that's been huge wins for us with parents and with older generations. Stealing your idea about your older life groups bringing food immediately. Do it. That's a great idea. Dude, after our, we call it one weekend, but it's a disciple now. I had two different life groups come in. One served us dinner Saturday and one served breakfast Sunday. And it was the best thing. I didn't have to worry about cooking. I didn't have to find people. That's awesome. They all did it and they came in and they loved, they loved it. They still talk about it and they say, when's the next one? And they got the best food. Oh, <laughs> yes, dude. Crush it. Dude, biscuits and gravy, breakfast sausage. I mean, oh, just, oh, I'm just, oh, I'm salivating. Anybody got uh, anything else? I mean, I have plenty of things that I've messed up. (laughs) (laughs) How much time do we have on this podcast? Uh, And over an hour. Hey, what's the name of this podcast? uh, Camp Radio Light. Let's change this to uh, Matt's Failures in Ministry. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I can have an episode every week for several topics. Um, Let's see. I'm actually scrolling through our Instagram to get inspiration. I got one if you want me to go. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) I I don't want you to feel like you're the failure of the group. Oh, like, um, I will wear that. See, I've got the new thing, guy card. I'm just the new guy. One thing I've talked about with other student pastors uh, frequently is don't go behind the lead leader's back mm-hmm. or don't yeah. do things without their, maybe not permission, because you are, you know, we do have some freedom and leadership, I think. But if we do things that are maybe risky or, you know, out of the norm for the church and don't consult them and don't, like, at least let them know what we're doing, it's so hard to recover from that if it goes bad when we don't have them in our corner. And I've talked to a lot of guys that don't have their senior pastor or whoever's over them in their corner, and it's tough for them. I mean, they feel like they're doing ministry on an island. Um, but if you can get the lead leader of your church in your corner, it's it pays dividends in ministry. How, how did you like build that relationship to get that connection with your lead pastor because i know that's i hear a lot of you pastors talking about that 
I think at Buffett in particular, it's not really me, but um, our pastor's name is Dave. And so when, when we were brought on, Dave was very intentional about getting to know us, being involved in our lives, you know, asking us about how our wives and kids are, like how our marriages are and stuff like that. And so we have this relationship where we, you know, talk about life and especially talk about ministry. And so when I'm going to do something that I feel like is maybe out of the norm for the church or out of the norm for our student ministry, something that I have a feeling that I might get some pushback from a small group of people, I'll go to him and I'll say, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking about. This is why I'm thinking about it. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think I'm going to get raked over the coals for this? Yeah, because Kyle and I actually talked about this on the way up. Is that uh, being newer to ministry, you're going to mess up a lot and there's going to be some mistakes. And and some parents are very forgiving when you make those mistakes and some aren't. Uh, And typically they're going to run straight to to the lead pastor. And if he's on your side and if he's ready to defend you, I'm like, that's huge. Uh, if, if you have someone who has your back and it's like, look, like, I know you're angry, but at the same time, I have his back and I trust him and his leadership and I'm in his corner. Because sometimes I've heard horror stories of, of, of senior pastors who will take the side of the member because they're afraid of either losing them or maybe they're a big time <clears throat> giver to the church and, and they throw their student pastor under the bus like it was nothing. And that's just awful. So if yeah. you have that leader that's willing to back you up, even if you did make a mistake, but to say, hey, I trust them, they're in this position, like, that's big time. Yeah. I think, too, like, I've heard from a couple of senior pastors, and a lot of times in our student ministry circles, the senior pastor gets the bad rap. But I've heard from a couple of different senior pastors that one of the worst things that can happen to them in ministry is a parent or somebody coming to them with something that's maybe not good or that they don't agree with or whatever, and they're learning about it from them. Mm. Like they're learning about, you know, we can't do that with all situations, but if we're planning on doing an event or putting out a social media post that might push the envelope or something like that, and we don't let them know beforehand and they learn about it from somebody that's not us, that's uh, that's breaking trust for them and that's putting them in a bad spot. And then they're backed in a corner and they have to make the decision in a split moment, am I going to agree with this person or am I going to agree with this guy? And what's the, I don't have all the information, you know what I mean? And so I think this communication is so big. Obviously they have stuff that they're dealing with, they're worrying about and they're doing. So we don't have to take every single little minute detail of ministry to them. But if we can be as transparent as possible, and I I think that just brings a lot of continuity to the church staff in general. And two, you know, even if you have that senior pastor that is on your side and defends you, it doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want to do because he'll defend you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's like you can't take that trust for granted. Oh, yeah. Is that, you know, hey, my like I can say my senior pastor I'm underneath right now will defend any of us till the cows come home. But just because he'll defend me before anything doesn't mean I'm going to go out and do whatever I want to do. Right. Like when you operate under the vision and the mission that you have and you the continuity like you just said jake it's it makes everything flush but i mean i've i've been that young intern that was given a project and i just ran with it and did my own thing and then i had to catch flack for it in staff meeting mm-hmm. after it was over like hey that was good but you need to let us know what you're doing and it just it just helps i mean and, and two for the congregant i mean it it keeps that relationship with your pastor i guess in a sense private but also it keeps you safe from the wolf in the congregation that's coming yeah. at you. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, 
Uh, I was a youth pastor for a little while, uh, and I would say probably the one thing that I learned that you should never do is um, don't come into anything with a heavy heart. And what I mean by that is don't ever come into a situation like angry or mad, whether it be a sermon, whether it be dealing with a situation, whether it be whatever. That's like the one thing that I learned because, you know, there, there were times that I was, you know, frustrated with certain things or, you know, I was having a bad day and, you know, maybe it was related to work or whatever. And I, I realized that if I wasn't coming from a place of, of love and genuine love, um, I realized that um, my the way I interacted with people in the church, the youth, whoever, you know, it just it would go real poorly for me and I couldn't figure out why that was happening. And luckily I had my wife uh, a lot of times to back me up and say, Hey, you're, you know, you're not handling this the, the correct way. You know, you're not coming from a place of love and, 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 and grace. And, and so <clears throat> that was one of the things that, that I oftentimes would struggle with. And, and, uh, you know, that's something I learned that I, I should never do. I don't know if y'all have ever uh, done that, but man, that is a, an area that you don't want to be in. Yeah, I think it's very easy uh, to basically subtweet your students through your sermon. Yeah. Uh, mm, basically, yeah. because you're like you're frustrated, you're hearing things that they're mm-hmm. doing, like, and because you can mention something that maybe that you've heard from students talking about about other students, and the second you say it, everyone in the room knows who you're talking about. Right. You might have not said their name, right. but everybody knows, and it's it's very easy to maybe do that because you're disappointed in them and you want them to hear the truth. But instead of just confronting them in person, instead of throwing it out there, and yeah. you're only targeting a, a, a small population, but you spend a whole sermon on a topic that really is only affecting a handful of students in the room, and everyone knows who you're talking to. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, again, another mistake. <laughs> I think we, you know, in Scripture, we see examples of righteous anger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes it is warranted in the example of Jesus. You know, we saw him getting angry with things that needed to be, you know, dealt with. But ultimately his demeanor was gentle Mm -hmm. and his demeanor was overwhelmingly humble. And so I think if we approach ministry and uh, those kind of things in a, in a gentle and humble spirit, I feel like that helps. Um, And there are things that our students are doing that we need to deal with. Mm -hmm. But if there's a specific situation that's like everybody knows about it, and then we talk about it specifically. I think we have to just handle that with so much care and um, maybe even talk about it in really broad general strokes. Um, you know, maybe they have an idea. Maybe just the person that needs to hear it is like, oh, he's talking to me. Yep. Um, but that is tough. A big thing, especially during this season, uh, is to not overload your schedule, like your calendar, oh, yeah. just to have stuff on your calendar. A yeah. uh, big thing that someone. I don't remember as a podcast or something I was listening to. Someone said, if your parent or if, or if you have a parent and their student went to every single thing you did, one, how much are they paying throughout the year? So what does that price look like? And two, are they spending any time getting to minister to kids that are outside of church world? If they yeah. came every week to everything you did and every event you did, how much time are they actually getting to spend being outside the church, being disciples who are making disciples, this thing you're telling them to do, but yet you're continuing to keep them inside the walls of the church or inside the walls of an event or at something else. And so uh, there's a fine balance because you do want to do activities that that will attract students that you want students to come and to be a part of and that you can pour into. 
but at the same time you can't overwhelm them or else it's just another event we learned that oh, a really yeah. hard lesson last year we had something uh it's called hearts on fire that's really close to here that's an awesome event amazing weekend and very inexpensive thing to do um but we had it two weeks after our disciple now weekend and so we had students, we had a lesser attendance at our Disciple Now than the year before, which is something you don't want to see. You obviously want to see it grow every year because students picked one or the other. So we had, we offered two great things just within two weeks of each other. And so that was a, that was a hard lesson that we basically, and I bet you a lot of parents said, you know what, we can, we can pay for you to go to Weekend United, which is our D now, or we can pay for you to go to Hearts on Fire and for you to choose. And that's, to me, as I look back, I'm like, that's fair. Uh, especially for a lot of our families and so just not to overload your calendar just to have a bunch of stuff and i think the church as a whole struggles with this at times too but definitely in the student ministry it's easy like yeah we're going to go to winter jam and then two weeks later we're going to have a pickup football game and then two weeks later we're going to do this and it's like just kind of back up and not overload it so much I was very fortunate to inherit, well, I don't know if fortunate is the right word to say, but I was, I inherited a ministry that had been, Lucas Heard. he's uh, the sex guy in Knoxville, if anybody knows that. He's the <laughs> sex education guy. That's yeah. it. That's it. Uh, I like just calling him the sex guy because it's fun. It's like but uh, he, uh, he was our interim the year before I came, so he was there for a whole year, and he had been at our church for a long time, done interim a few different times in student ministry. Um, but the dude has like two full-time jobs and so he wasn't able to do a whole lot of extra programming outside of the regular week to week stuff. So I sort of came into a blank slate and one of the things that I tried to do was just say, Hey, once, uh, you know, in the seasons, like one thing in the fall, one thing in the spring, one thing in the summer, that was like the basis for it. And then now in years, years later, we have grown on that and done, you know, smaller things outside of that. But talking about the money that you said we try to take a look at our whole calendar and say okay if we do this this and this what's the total cost for our families for the year because we have a lot of family we have families on all ends of the spectrum you know families that struggle to make it by you know month to month we have families that are crushing it and uh, could do whatever financial thing we wanted to do um, but as a whole, we want to look at it and say, okay, are we asking these families to spend, you know, three grand on all the ministry stuff that we're doing this year? Or is it like total in the year, we're going to ask you to spend a few hundred dollars and your kid gets to do this, this, and this, and it's going to be awesome. And so that was just one of those things. Last year when we were Corona free, we Hmm. actually sent out to our parents at the beginning of the year, Hey, this is the total cost of ministry for the year. Smart. I let them know if you wanted to pay for all of it. If you know your kids going everything, you want to pay for all of it up front. You can. Uh, nobody took me up on that. But yeah, we just we wanted to be transparent and let them know this is it. It's not going to be like, hey, next week we're going to surprise you with a five hundred dollar event right. that you weren't prepared for. Yeah, something too along that line is that what we do. So and I actually got this from Matt, so I'm stealing Matt's ideas, but it's actually something. Which isn't good. Well, <laughs> well, this is a good one. This isn't a failure. This is a good one. Okay. Um, but we do a fall kickoff and then a unveil night in January. And I saw Matt do that, and I saw how well it worked, and I was like, I'm going to adapt that. And pretty much it's you just release all the events for the year for unveil, and then in the fall, it's all, all through the fall. So you go January through July and then August through December. And I have a cost for every event that we do out to the side of it. And I even tell parents like, hey, if this is too steep, obviously financial, you know, we'll try to help. But also 
don't feel like your student has to go to every one of these. We want them to, but I try to craft my schedule around our core value of belong. How can I build community and make it cost effective? So we actually introduced a new trip. Called, we, we did a ski trip and it was great. And it actually got way more traction than I thought it would. But I didn't think we'd do it again this year. And the students were like, can we please do the ski trip again? I'm like, y'all almost killed yourself. <laughs> and like, but the hotel room was so much fun and it's so cheap. We loved it. Right. So like, I, I found that if a, a, wow, stutter, if an event flops and the student still loves it, do you keep that in your calendar because it's cheap? And that's work for me. I mean, because, you know, if we're building community and wanting to accomplish the goal of ministry and it's 30 bucks for an event, why not do two of those instead of just doing one? You know, you can add to that. Yeah, and uh, something I love that we have at Wallace that uh, John, our pastor, brought when he came over, something called OGAP, so we had to fill every out every year. And it stands for Objectives, Goals, and Action Plans. And so every single event, we literally have to fill out uh, before every year, partly for budget reasons and partly for us to be able to review events, um, to fill out why are we doing this event? What are the steps it's going to take? How much money it costs? And then when the event's done, um, and we, I still don't do the best job of doing this, is right after it's done, you go back and you evaluate, did I meet those goals? Did I meet those objectives? What did we forget? So then next year, you don't keep forgetting to do the same thing or keep making the same mistakes every year. And so those have been super helpful. But also uh, having a, a core group of student leaders has been super helpful in that to say, hey, we've been doing this event for five years. Do you guys even like this? I think it's easy yeah. for us to be like, yeah, we love this event. It's super fun. And and the worst thing you want is for the students to be like, yeah, we've not liked that for three years. We just like it because we were too scared to tell you we didn't. Yeah. And so like to have a core group of student leaders you trust, not to plan everything and not to be, not to do your job for you, but to be honest with you and to say, hey, maybe we can do it differently or maybe, Hey, we just need to stop doing this event altogether because it's really not effective and we really don't like it. I think another thing, I really like the O gaps. I'm probably going to steal that. But, um, <laughs> one of the things I, I heard, I think I heard it on a podcast. Um, this dude that I think he came out of Liberty, maybe teaches student ministry at Liberty or something like that, but he had this pyramid. And so each, each event fell somewhere in the pyramid. So it's like, you've got these events that are for students who are, walking with the Lord, super plugged in. They need to be challenged. They're in their discipleship process. And uh, you've got your events that are for students who are maybe babies in the faith. Like they obviously they need to be discipled, but it's going to be a little bit more even keel. Like you can have students come that are non-believers, all this kind of stuff. And then there's, these are purposes, by the way, you can have students that are non-believers come to any of these, but then the, the bottom rung is like, totally evangelistic like just fun kind of events that you're wanting to get people introduced to your ministry and I found that helpful it it has a lot of holes in it but um just to know what the purpose is for your event and why are you doing it are we just doing it to have an event or are we doing it because there's a purpose behind it all right well thank you for joining us on camp radio light podcast we hope that you will join us again make sure to like follow and subscribe or whatever it is that uh, that makes up your listening, um, please join us again soon. I uh, hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to Camp Radio Light, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. 
The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.